0: Special music today. Oh, I a, bit. a for Like your pastor. You know why? Because I am not the center of this. I have the opportunity to stand here each week and proclaim God's word at the center of this room. This entire room, everything we've done, is directed in one point to draw your attention to one thing, and it's not me. It is the cross that stands behind me. A church with a great future doesn't necessarily have the latest and newest trends. Trends in church. Churches are more trendy than anywhere else I've found. There's music trends, uh, there's style trends, there's method trends, purpose trends, everything else. Uh, But even some trends are good. It would be super kid-friendly and everything. But you know what? Trends are not what God has put us here to do. A church with a great future is united around God's purpose. You check out the book of Acts, every time God moved and every time God worked, you'll always find the word united or together in it. The church was always united. When the church was united around the purpose of God, the church had the power of God. So what is the purpose of God? Well, the purpose of God is in Acts 1.18. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts find it fascinating, that verse, the reason we have the Holy Spirit is so that we can spread God's word, so that we can create other churches. Our future in the next few years is going to be about planting churches. We're not going to be about accumulating people, accumulating money, accumulating talent or resources. Our goal is to take all the talent, resources, people, and money that we are able to do and give them away. And to start another church every five years is my goal. If we hit that, that's great, but we're going to try to do that every five years to be part of planting churches in our local area. The first century church was probably the greatest church that's ever been. And the first century church had men like the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And what did they do? They kept them because they were great teachers. And who would send them away? No. They sent them away to go start other churches. A church with a great future is a church that's about God's purpose, about reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is a church with a great future. 33 years. Oddly, we're here because somebody your gracious heavenly father mercy that doesn't flinch in giving out the gospel, but loves people also. Father, help us to plant other open woods. In Jesus' precious
1: name, amen. Mm -hmm.
0: Today, our message we're going to talk about, we'll be doing a series that eventually I will finish up in September, called This is Open Woods. Today, our message is about this is our response. This is our response. Churches are full of a lot of different types of people. A lot of different types of people go to a church. One of my favorite is called, well, I love kids. Must, I keep collecting them. Specifically, <laughs> <laughs> so like, part of my heart has always been with bus kids. I complain to my wife often about them every time I have to drive the bus. I say, these kids are driving me crazy. I'm going to drive in oncoming traffic and everything. And she's always like, this is God's will. I'm like, oh, you won't. <laughs> One of my favorite stories is about a, a, a little group of Sunday school class the Sunday school teacher taught their taught their kids to the classroom to learn the 23rd Psalm. And so each child got up in the Sunday service and recited the 23rd Psalm. And the little girls in their perfect little dresses, and boys were dressed up with their hair all clean. And mom and dad's were on the front row taking pictures. And they all got up and said the 23rd Psalm until finally this one little boy, the teacher, thought, oh no. How did he get up there? He was always the troublemaker. He was the bus kid. He always had to be sent out in the hall. And she didn't even work with him that hard on the 23rd song. She thought, what is he going to say? And this little bus kid in front of the whole grand church got up and said this. The Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Churches are full of amazing people like that. but you know what? Churches are also, unfortunately, full of a different kind of people. When I first started pastoring, I was pastoring in Livonia, and we had a small church running about 90 people or so, and it started growing, but we had some problems. We were growing, but we were seeing people who were getting saved, and people getting saved is wonderful, but people getting saved can't teach Sunday school. They don't know anything, they don't know the stories. We didn't have talented people, song leaders. We had one musician in the entire group, and so we were desperately needing veterans and people who could fill gaps as we started to grow. well, a church a mile down the road had a split. Does that seem like the way God plants churches? Churches that maybe plant churches, they have less splits. But a church a mile down the road had a split. Twenty people just showed up one Sunday at our church. They were singers. They were piano players. They were Sunday school teachers, DBS workers. They were children's workers. They were all these talented and experienced veteran Christians. So they asked me after coming for a while, they asked me to come, come over one of their houses The strangest thing that's ever happened to me, I think, in the ministry happened. I sat there, and all 20 of them sat in a circle, and I sat there with Sandra. And one by one, they went around in circles. They told me all the great things that they could do. They began to give me their resumes and how talented they were, and the vacation Bible schools they led, the choirs they had led, their experience, and everything they had. And they went on. It took almost two hours for this to happen. And I sat there smiling. I was young and dumb. I should have got up. But I just sat there smiling and everything. Until and so finally, all 20 of them spoke, and they told me how great and grand they were, and how lucky our church would be to have them. And they looked at me, and they said something they shouldn't have said. They said, Well, what do you think? <laughs> looked at them and I said well our church the type of church we're trying to build is for people who've been hurt by people like you as I listen to you I don't hear what we're really looking for see I'm looking for people who want to clean toilets I need some people who will sweep up floors and change diapers I need somebody who will love an unlovable bus kid enough to pick them up even when they are obnoxious and even when they curse at you I need mean, people who will just come and volunteer and do whatever it takes, whether it's pulling weeds or knocking on doors. You all seem very amazing, but I guess you're probably too great for our church because I'm just looking for service. And I think I said it so nicely they were shocked and they didn't react the way they did. Because later on, I think it sunk in what I actually said to them, and they never came back. As a group, they went to another church down the road, and they joined that church, and they split that church. I told him to go back to your pastor. I don't know who has to apologize, but I said go back to your pastor. Tell him whatever you have to tell him and figure it out because maybe there's something going on that he doesn't know. I often tell this to people. Go back and tell your pastor everything that's going on because you need to go back and make it right with him before you go anywhere else. Amen? Amen. You see, churches are full of a lot of different types of people. Today on our anniversary (coughs) Sunday, we asked this question. Who is Oakland Woods then? Who is Oakland Woods? What type of church, what type of group, body of believers have we gathered? What are we as a group of people? Well, if you're taking notes, let me give you this thought. Oakland Woods is filled with flawed people who love a perfect Savior. I think I've been here long enough that I can say things like this, because I am one of you. And what I mean is that we are not perfect Look at our leadership. I mean, Ron Woodcraft's a deacon. Come on. (laughs) We are not perfect people. We will let you down. Let me just say, I'm sorry when I let you down, and I will let you down. I'm sorry about that. But we are not here because of our pastor, because of our deacons, because of our building. We are here because of Jesus Christ. And this year, I kind of created this little saying. If you go into our cafe, it's on the wall. If you had to describe Oakland Woods in one sentence, what would it be? Oakland Woods Baptist Church is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about studying the Word of God that reveals Jesus. Why do we study the Bible? Because the Bible reveals Jesus to us. It's about reaching the next generation for Jesus. And it's about declaring politely lovingly but directly and without flinching that Jesus is the only way you see the purpose of Oakland Woods is about a clear message it's about children's ministries it's about community and it's about compassion and all of these are about the ideal with the chance of the purpose of sharing Jesus our clear message is not some political message it's about that you must be born again and you need Jesus We want to reach children, not just so that we can have a future as a church. No, we want to reach children because Jesus wants us to reach children. And if 80% of people accept Christ before the age of 20, the best prime area of mission field is the children. There's a reason the Chinese won't let children under 18 go to churches. The The communists in China won't let them do that. We want to be involved in our community. Why? Because we want to make our community better? Yeah, we do. But we want to be involved in our community for the simple reason, as an excuse to share Jesus with people. You think the fall festival is about us giving away hot dogs and candy and bounce houses? You are mistaken. The fall festival's purpose, underlined, is an opportunity for someone to hear about Jesus. We want to have compassion on people, not so that we can feel better, not because of some white liberal guilt and everything else. We want to do all of that so we can share Jesus. We are Baptists.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: you're a Baptist, say eh, amen. <laughs> you're not, just be quiet. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> all we have to do to spot you is ask people to clap while you're singing. Well, no, okay, there's the non Baptist right there. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. We are Baptists, yes. Yeah, Pastor Steve uses the authorized version of the Bible. I'm a Bible preacher. We love kids, yes. yes. We love senior citizens, yes. yes. We love married people, yes. yes. Just married people don't love married people. But But listen, all of that, all of that comes second to Jesus. Churches get pulled off sides by good things. It's not the bad thing that's going to pull us off sides and have us miss our purpose and get focused on something. It's not a bad thing. It, it, if I stood up here and said we want to turn open woods into a beer hall and give out alcohol, you'd be no, oh, no, no, no. That's absolutely wrong. But the problem with churches is that we get pulled off by good things. I, I'm pro-life, but there's many churches that get pulled off by being more about the pro-life message and at, at, at that that things, that ministry than it is about Jesus. I'm for helping the homeless and feeding people the hungry, but that's not our purpose, is it? That's not our number one purpose. I'm all about being active in our community, but that is not our purpose, is it? Our purpose must be, everything we do must be about Jesus Christ. Amen. Those things are all good, and it's not, there's nothing wrong with those. But it is the good things sometimes that become the focus of our church. Instead of Jesus being the focus. A couple weeks ago at soccer camp, I saved a butterfly. Yes, you, you should be applauding. I'm amazing. You didn't know that. <laughs> I saved the butterfly's life and it had gotten caught in our, our, we had the doors open and so it came in and it got caught up in the glass. You know, we have those big arching glasses out there. It kept bouncing into the glass. I would think, you stupid? Eventually, come on, you gotta. So what I did is I took our feather duster that we have for doing long and I slowly, I kind of manipulated and I got that butterfly in the Thing. The entire time I'm doing this, Paul Barrett is telling uh, Gary Pace he's going to kill that butterfly. And I, I heard you, by the way. And I got that butterfly off and I got it out there and it twit and it's alive today. Some bird probably came by and ate it today. Anyway, was a large monarch butterfly. And I, mean, I saved that butterfly's life. You should be impressed ran over a dog coming to church, but I saved it. But you know what that is? Listen, that's a, that's a, churches get pulled off by saving butterflies. Right? They're, they're, Pastor Steve, they are aborting babies. That's, that's wrong. Yeah, but that's going to be our butterfly that pulls us, pulls us off. But Pastor Steve, there's hungry people. We need to do something about that. But That becomes our butterfly. And that becomes the focus of our church is We've got this uh, human trafficking going on. It's horrible. That can easily become our butterfly, and we pull it off, and we just, that becomes the center of the church. Why is Jesus the center? Because Jesus changes everything, and the cross makes me a child of God. With that, I want to pull your attention to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, as I speak on a very personal message and a very personal passage of Scripture on adoption. Galatians 4 and 3. Even so we, I'd like to let, let God's word just flow over you and just listen to this. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more servants, but a son. And if a son, then heir of God through Christ. I'd like to take a second and point out a few things about this passage as we go through it. Take note of this passage and a few things Number One, this is long, but I think it's good. Take note that first, the passage starts with us being children to bondage or slavery of sin. The passage starts with us being children of bondage, but the passage ends with us being no more a servant, a slave, but a son. In verse seven, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And of a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are adopting three little girls. Hopefully, at the end of this year, but we might have to wait a few of them. You say, "Why are you doing that?" Yeah, there was nothing good on TV. We thought, <laughs> "No, uh, I joke about my family, but I knew last Thanksgiving that we would be taking all three of these. I've really got cemented in my heart. We were planning on going to Texas for Thanksgiving, and so." Oddly, the parents weren't fit to take care of them, but they could say if we could take him out of the state, and all three of them, they said, no, you can't take him out of the state. So that meant we would have to do something in foster care called respite care. So, by the way, some of you should be involved in respite care. You don't have to have the kid permanently. They just come out a weekend. You help out some other foster family, then the kid leaves. You can pick ages. You can do all that. You've got an empty home. Why aren't you using it? Wouldn't you love to have to give the opportunity to tell some little five-year-old boy or girl for a weekend about Jesus? off and quiet, didn't they, Billy? But we were going to have to put our kids in respite care. You know what the respite care they gave us? And Sandra talked to the lady who would be the foster care respite. Her house was all the way down to Detroit receiving. I don't know if you've been down there. I've been down there before. That's a war zone. The lady worked, so our, our girls would have to be in uh, daycare most of the day. She worked almost six to six almost. She had other kids in there that were foster kids and foster ki- and things, and they were older kids. And listen, if you know this, Most people are abused as a child by another child. I didn't know who these kids were going to be watching. They were going to be in the same room as my girls. I didn't know what past history they had. They'd be stuck in some daycare, and I told Sandra, my girls are not staying there. They are not going back to that place one of them came from Detroit, and she is not going to look back to that place. She's not going to stay with some ladies. We don't know. I don't know these kids. I would never drop my girls off at a place where I didn't know who was taking care of them. Those are my girls. And so Sandra took the rest of the kids, and I stayed home with two of them. Uh, they almost killed me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Even after that
0: week, I told her, yes are our girls if we are keeping. Those girls do not have my skin color. They do not have my baby blue eyes. They have my humility. (laughs) But they are just as much my babies as any of the other three. And they are going to be Sheridan's in just a few months. Do you understand? Because of Jesus, I came out of a horrible situation. Because of salvation, I am a child of God. I am not a God, but I am an adopted child of God, and I have all the rights to everything he has. Number two, the passage promotes the very highest level of intimacy with the God who created the universe, with the God who created the universe. I always add a universe in there to be clear because we're raising a generation that doesn't know who God is. Or doesn't know which God I'm talking about. If you're taking notes, the word Abba. Well, the word Abba, for lack of a better word, is the equivalent to the English word daddy. I'd like to take note here for a second. It is not daddy. The English language does not have a word that accurately equates what this word means. Dr. J. Vernon McGee said this, I am told because the translators of the King James Bible had a great reverence for the word of God. When they came to the word Abba, they did not dare translate it into English because it was such an intimate word. Because of Jesus, I am an adopted child of God, and I can look at him, for lack of a better word, I can have the type of intimate relationship with the God of the universe that would say, "Daddy." Number three, the passage shows the giving of grace of God through adoption. Let me draw your attention back to verse 5 and notice something here. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Notice that I am redeemed. What Jesus did on the cross for me happens before adoption, though. You see, the word "redeemed" means the act of buying a slave's freedom. Specifically in the Greek, it's such an amazing word. The word means to be bought from the slave market of sin to be set free from that slave market, and to be declared never to return again. How I know I can't lose my salvation, because when I accepted Christ as my personal savior, he bought me from the slave market of sin, declared that I was his son, set me free, and then said, you can never come back to this state again. Oh, I can be a rebellious son, and I can be a son who doesn't deserve anything, but I can never stop being a son. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you are a slave to sin. But the good news is this, that Jesus died to buy you out of that slave market. Uh The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10 that we access this ability with our mouth, through our hearts, and by faith we call upon him. It sounds like a prayer to me. And if that had been it, look back at verse 5. If the redeemed part had been it, that would have been enough. That grace would have been enough. But there's more than just the redemption that takes place. You see, after I've been redeemed, I've been set free, that would have been enough. But after I'm redeemed, what is so amazing about grace? Not only does he redeem me, he gives me the Holy Spirit. Not only does he do that, he justifies me. He begins the process of sanctification. He changes my standing. Not only does he do that, he adopts me. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 5 for just a second. Notice the difference. To redeem them that were under the law. This is a new thought. You have been redeemed. That we might receive the adoptions of sons. Adoption and redemption are not the same thing. My redemption is my standing before God. If that had been enough, that would have been all I really needed. But his grace is so great, he gave me more. You see, adoption is, redemption is kind of like this. Let's clean it out my wife's... uh, Say ashtray, but she doesn't smoke. Neither should uh, She has keeps all this change, and some of it's been there for years. And she always spills coke out and stuff. And this one's got like mold on it. You can't. I don't even know if that is a penny because that doesn't look like Abraham Lincoln to me. So. This is what this is. What redemption is? Redemption is being a disgusting, filthy, worthless, ugly thing. And Jesus, through His blood. Might have penicillin on it, I don't know. But my my germ is telling me to put this down because it's disgusting. This is redemption. I look spotless and cleansed before God. But salvation has more to it. some adopted kids will do. First, your response could be a lack of appreciation. I mean, yeah, I'm your son. I should be your son of God. I'm chosen. I'm the elect. I'm awesome. Or, your response could be that you even go back to the family you were adopted out of. I've seen people who are adopted out of horrible situations and after they get older they go find that family and they go I found this twit, twit, <laughs> Twitter, if you can see it. there. Somebody tweeted this and thought it was really cool. And they wrote this. To my birth mom, I turned 30 yesterday. Just wanted to let you know that all is well. I have a great family, friends, and a job I love. I don't know why you gave me up. I'm not angry about it. You allowed me to live a life, a great life in America. And then he put his name on. From June Koo Chow career. Can I ask you this? Do you look more like your family you came from, or do you look more like your adopted family today? If you've been adopted by the the father, don't go back to your own family the world. So Oakland Woods' response to this. The response of Oakland Woods should be this, three things if you're taking notes. Number one, a burden for children. Jesus has a special place in his heart for kids. He said, if you want to come to me, you've got to come as a child. He he didn't say this about preachers. He didn't say this about senior citizens. He said, if you offend one of these little kids, you know what you need to do? You need to take a rope, tie it to your neck, and tie the other end to a big rock, and throw yourself into the river, because I have a special place in hell for people who hurt children and for people who keep kids from hearing the gospel. Amen? Reaching our ch- next generation has got to be our purpose. When eighty percent of people get saved before twenty, I said this in the, when I interviewed. In fact, i would said this to every church I talked to. Just sometimes, just to make them mad. But I said this every church. You could describe it this way. We put it as chips and lined it up. Every church has a certain amount of chips. Some churches have more chips, some churches have less. These churches represent your budget, they represent your money, but they also represent your talent. They represent your best teachers. They represent all the people in your church that are really good at stuff. They represent your facilities and your building. And I'm willing to bet you that if you looked at your church and divided it by senior citizens, adults, married, and kids, the majority of your chips are going to be over here with adults because they pay the bills. They probably have the best Sunday school classrooms. They probably have the best teachers. They probably get the best outings. They probably get the best of everything you have. And the kids over here might have just one chip. You find some guy who got saved last week and he's on AA or he just got off drugs and you say, yeah, you can be in charge of the children because you don't matter. But the guy with the master's degree, you need to teach our adult Sunday school. I'm willing to bet that the majority of your chips are over here in this pile and and Jesus said, if you want to be blessed, you need to put them over here. Amen. There's a special place in Jesus' heart for children. So, there's an awana sign-up sheet. It's up on the board today. It should be filled. Wednesday, 7 o'clock. He said, to speak, I don't like kids. Join the club. I ask you if you're like kids. I ask you if you're an adopted a child of God. We're going to be expanding our bus ministry this fall. Our jam is busting at eleven o'clock. We had sixteen kids get saved a few weeks ago at BBS. Isn't that amazing? Sandra's been following up on them. We had parents. We've had parents, We've got a parent and a family that's been coming since Vacation Bible School. Their daughter got saved, and they've been coming. We have plans for both our student ministry and our college ministry this fall because we've got to reach the next generation. Number two, this should push us to achieve our goals. It should push us to achieve our goals. When I came, I told you I have five 10-year goals. Five 10, year goals 5 year goals and 10-year goals. Some of them we've achieved, some of them we have not yet achieved. Let uh, me throw these up. Yeah, these are just a list of some of them. Uh, you go on a four-admissions trip, Add staff. We want to eventually become a multi site campus because we want to eventually plant a local church off of that. We want to start a special needs ministry. Family, you have no idea what it's like to be a mom and dad and try to go to church and your son's autistic. It's really hard, it's almost impossible. We want to start an addictions ministry. We want to have an on site daycare. We have great facilities. We want to have what I calling a seven-day-a-week ministry where there's something going on all the time. We're hoping to begin a Saturday night service. And we need to build a new building for our students directly. Now, some of these things, great, let's go through these. Uh, we achieved this last year. We're going to do it next next year also, looking at going to South America. And so next summer, if you'd like to go with us. Uh, we've added Pastor Kent. By the way, you need to go, and when you see Pastor Ken, tell him to love him, how great he is. He has been a huge blessing to me. I cannot, I cannot emphasize that enough. Uh, eventually our multi-site campus goes with what I'm going to talk about here in the beginning. And we want to begin this, the plan to start that this year. Our special needs ministry hasn't done yet. Our addiction ministry starts October 2nd, it's on a Tuesday night. Uh, we're looking at it, going knowing who knows what different direction. It may go no alcohol, but it may go no food. No one in here has a problem with that. <laughs> Daycare. I have been begging people, trying to find just the right person. Just God hasn't yeah. opened that yet, so hopefully it will. Our Saturday night, hopefully this fall, uh, we're going to be expanding that. We experimented with that in the, uh, the summer, and we think we have the right situation for it. And then we're going to. We have a new building next year. We were talking about doing. Let me just tell you two big, two of these big parts. Um, we think we can build the shell of a building with pretty close to what we have in our building fund right now. Just be a simple metal building with a concrete floor. Uh, we could probably do the 11 o'clock service in there. We have the saints who move and do an extra service in there. I don't know if you would like to do that. I don't know if 9.30 would be liking it at that point. It probably uh, would not be as nice and as comfortable as this, but we could probably do the 11 o'clock in there. It just gives us extra room, it gives us extra things. Uh, we'll have to talk to the township this month That'll be a big hurdle on what we have to do. But there will be some needed financial part to it. The second big thing that is going to take place, in fact, on September 22nd, that's a Saturday, we're going to have a a, a Texas barbecue. We're going to invite you to be here where we roll that out and explain it in more detail. That next Sunday, September 23rd, our executive director of Michigan Southern Baptist is going to be here and he'll be preaching that Sunday to talk specifically on this. But we're going to be calling our, our, our ministry here, we decided to call it Amplify. Amplify. Because Amplify means to magnify and to spread. And so we wanted that ministry to be a huge part of Oakland Woods, to be the church planting part of Open Woods. When we sat down and told the executive pastor what we wanted to do, he was shocked. He said, I don't know any churches that are trying to do this. And Pastor Ken just beautifully shot back with, well, we just want to do what the Bible says. So we're going to have four different levels that we're involved with church planting. The first one is prayer. We're not just going to take anybody's prayer card and stuff like that. We want to start off with prayer and we want to have people that we can move forward. The next part is partnering with people. Uh, Bob Morsey, who we went down to the church of Cawson and helping them out $50 to $100 a month and just encouraging these churches that are planted already existing. We want to partner with them. The third is a little more difficult that we might not always have is participation getting the church planter to come and we give them more money, and they help us out in the area of ministry. And lastly, the thing that we want to do next year, plant a church. And get a young man, bring him on staff, work under Pastor Pam, work with us, and work with the North American Mission Board, work with our state group, and eventually go out and plant a church in the next three or four years with that young man. He said, well, we might get to know him and like him. That's all right. You can go with him.
1: Well,
0: Pastor, what if he takes some of our best and brightest? That's okay. God's got more.
1: Amen? Right.
0: This is the thing. We're not trying to accumulate talent, wealth, and resources. We're trying to be a clearinghouse for it and send it out in our local area. Yeah. My goal, and I plan on dying somewhere around 75. Seems <laughs> like a good age to check out. I don't know. 55 is <laughs> looking pretty good right now. But, uh, my goal when I die... I don't want to leave a big building behind. I don't want to leave a million dollar campus behind. My goal, and when I die, is that there's a church in Fenton that we have planted. My goal is to leave behind a church in White Lake, a church in Pontiac, parts of a church in Waterford, a church in Rochester, a church in West Bloomfield, a church in Lake Dora, a church in Lapeer, a church of at least three or four churches all in this area who are then turning around, getting stable like Oakland Woods, and then doing the same thing and planting other churches. That's what God told us to do, and if I think what's going to happen when persecution comes, it is not going to be the large mega churches that endure persecution. It's going to be the small, mobile churches that are able to do it. So we're going to be looking for you to help in that. All of this is about amplifying the kingdom of God. And number three, lastly, facilitating more adoptions. We are spiritual social workers. Social workers are people, and being in the foster care system, I know they're the people that you call when a child's been abused or a child's been neglected. They go get that child, they take them out of that situation, and they bring them over to a new family to take care of them. We are spiritual social workers facilitating more adoptions. You see, this world, like the Apostle Paul said in our passage, this world is horrible and evil. This sounds like a joke, what I'm about to say, but it's not. It happened in the news. It sounds like the starting of a joke, you know, of a priest, a, a pastor, a minister walk into a, or a rabbi walk into a bar, right, type joke. No. Two liberal vegans rode their bikes through ISIS territory this week. It sounds like a, jo- a joke. It's not. And I'm not trying to mock on any way what happened. Please understand me. But these two 29-year-old vegan liberals out of Washington, D.C. quit their jobs and wanted to experience the world. And so they decided to ride their bikes through the Middle East. Yeah. They said this about ISIS and all these terrorists. It's made up. Evil is a make-believe concept we've invented to deal with the complexities of our fellow human beings, holding values and beliefs and perspectives different than our own. It's easier to dismiss an opinion as abhorrent than to strive to understand it. Badness exists, sure, but even that's quite rare. By and large, humans are kind. Self-interested, sometimes, myopic sometimes, but humans are kind. Humans are generous, humans are wonderful. No greater revelation has come from our journey than this. They rode their bike through a country inhabited by ISIS, and you know what happened? And I'm not trying to make fun of them or mock them. ISIS killed them. They see these two idiots riding their bike and they ran them down with their car, got out of their car and stabbed them to death. There's no such thing as evil. People are inherently good. People are inherently good. No, people are inherently sinners separated from God. And there is evil. There is bad in this world. In fact, the majority of it is evil and bad because only true goodness and kindness comes from the cross. Every perfect thing comes from the Father, the Bible says. And we need to warn, there's an entire generation coming up like this. Not just that they have this sort of twisted views and vegans. By the way, just to let you know, Hitler was a vegetarian. Think about that. I always like to tell vegans that. But anyways. But they have these twisted, warped views about what life is about. That life is either about drugs or sex. Or violence, or or even on the other side of the perspective, life is about achieving and getting the most possessions. The guy who dies with the most toys still dies.
1: <laughs>
0: life is about materialism, and they've been pulled off sides, and it is our job to be spiritual social. But it's also to tell them that today they can know Jesus. They can be forgiven. They can be adopted into the family of God. When so many of them come from dysfunctional or non-families that just are falling apart because of divorce, and parents never even got married, and drug addictions are destroying homes. When so many come from that, they can call the God of the universe Abba, Father, Daddy. And it is our job to facilitate adoptions and to bring more people into the family. Amen? Yeah. So maybe, maybe our problem is that we just have too many options, too many options. Hernando Cortez was a Spanish conquistador. In 1519, he wanted to get the treasure that the Aztecs had. But he found that his soldiers, about 500 of them or so, 100 sailors, they were kind of reluctant to go fight the Aztecs, and they kind of wanted to go back, and they didn't want to do anything dangerous. So what Cortez did, kind of a jerk, jerk move, he just burned all the ships. Got up in front of 500, 600 of these people and said, gentlemen, we either stay here and die or we march on the Aztecs and take them and live, because we no longer have any more options in front of us. Without any options, without anything else to do, without anything else to rely on, they went forward and they conquered the grasslands. Maybe we just have too many options. Maybe we just have too many things that have pulled us off sides. Maybe we have too many butterflies in our lives. Maybe we think we're adopted because we deserve it. You let that little one cry. You hear that little okay? understand something? That little baby can't tithe. That little baby can't volunteer. But Jesus loves that little one just as much as he loves you. We've got to help reach that little one for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep out your head of the church. This is